Hey, welcome to The Last of Us, presented by Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, from Pop Culture Leftovers, and I am joined by Joe Stark, also of Pop Culture Leftovers. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. And we have uh, Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome back, Melissa. Hello, thank you for having me. And finally, Billy from the Reality Guys on YouTube. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Wow, uh, <laughs> episode seven, guys. We uh, we just we finally got to episode seven. I, you know, this is. I mean, we've been waiting for the Riley episode, and it makes sense that it's that they that they held on to it for this long, and it makes sense that the way this episode bookends this episode makes perfect sense, and it makes sense because the next episode's penultimate, and then we get the finale. So those two are going to be their own separate thing. So I'm just I'm happy to finally get this story of Riley to kind of like fill in some gaps in our Ellie story. Um, I loved the episode. I did not know that it was getting review bombed uh, until uh- earlier. Um I, there is an article on PlayStationLifestyle.net about it getting review bombed that I just copied and pasted, which I still haven't read. Um, but then I went to IMDb today and saw that the score was the lowest score out of all of The Last of Us episodes. Most of them are at a 9.0 or even an 8.0. Um, this episode's at a 7.0. I mean, by a lot of standards, that's still pretty good. But for this show, it it does show that there are some trolls. Um, my question to Billy, because I don't know, is Ellie gay in the game? Yeah, it's literally one of the major, major, major things of the storyline. Then why and- is this episode getting review bombed? It's, it's people that didn't play the game, man. It's just ignorance. And unfortunately, and we all kind of talked about this a few weeks ago and kind of off camera, off recording. But if people have a problem with it now, they're going to have a way worse problem with the next couple seasons coming because, you know, gay romance and things like sexual gender identity and stuff are things that get explored, you know, verbatim and heavily in the game. And I think it's just something we're just going to have to kind of take into account. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to use the scores as much to show how great they are. We're going to have to pull the reviews from people we trust. But I, I don't think the review bombing is going to stop, unfortunately. Yeah. The article from PlayStationLifestyle.net says uh, The Last of Us HBO is getting review bombed again. Uh, I believe they're talking about again, uh, meaning that the first time it got review bombed was the Bill and Frank episode. It goes on to say, in a move that'll surprise nobody given the content of the episode, The Last of Us left behind is being review bombed by trolls. This follows a similar pattern to the third episode of the series, Long, Long Time. Both of these episodes have prominent queer representation. Long, Long Time shows the story of Bill and Frank, and Left Behind shows the blooming romance between Riley and Ellie. Left Behind and Long, Long Time... Both uh, are both the lowest rated episodes of the series so far, with a 7.7 and 8.0, respectively. Uh, all those, although those are still decent ratings for the episodes, there is a hugely disproportionate number of one-star reviews compared to previous installments. For instance, Left Behind was nearly 3,000. Uh, Left Behind has nearly 3,000 one-star reviews compared to the previous episodes 500. 
while Long Long Time had a huge 52,000 one-star reviews. Oh, my God. Um, Storm Reid, the actress who played Riley in Left Behind, spoke in a Variety interview about the homophobic backlash to the show, saying, quote, there are so many other things to worry about in the world. I think being concerned about who people love is just absurd to me. I just don't. I will never understand it. You know, I, I was hoping that, like... Billy, when you said when you said that you know Ellie is gay in the game, I was hoping like it got review bombed because like it didn't follow the source material, and of course it's still homophobic shit. Jesus, no, because people are ignorant and it sucks. And it, she's one hundred percent right. There's so much more things you can worry about, and people like I think it's not a big surprise. It takes so much more energy to have to go create review accounts and be negative and go and just if you, if you don't like something just don't say anything like we're not even telling people you have to like everything but just leave it be but to go out of the way and i honestly man i i think half the people now they're going review bombing aren't even watching they just know what it is now they're here and they're just going in and following and it's just like yeah. you know screw you i agree i i agree with yeah. that yeah a hundred percent. I think that that's what it is. And you really hit the nail on the head, Billy, when you said that it's so much more effort to have to to actually go through with it and go out of your way to leave a one star review and have it just be over like one of the most basic things ever. Like I don't I've never understood people getting tripped over, tripped up over somebody else's sexual identity. It's it's really, really low hanging fruit and. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's pretty ridiculous to me. It's people that need to expand their worldview. It's they probably they probably have no gay friends in their life because they have such a small little bubble that they live in, or they probably secretly think dicks are delicious and are terrified of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to say that I, you know for for at least one of the one star reviews, I've evened it out by giving the episode a a ten. And I 100% feel like it deserves that 10. And same with the same goes with the Bill and Frank episode. So I've totally negated one of those no-star. Uh, I've totally uh, evened out one of those one-star reviews. So I urge our listeners, you know, if you're enjoying the show, then get on there and give it the 10. Let's bump some of these scores up. Um, but, yeah, I love the episode. Man, I'm, I'm like, here's the thing. It's like, how many episodes are we going to get that are just going to rip your heart out? Like, Is it all of them? It's got to be. It's all of them. <laughs> right? That's, that's what this show does. <laughs> it's unreal. I, I Because uh, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't, uh, you know, I hadn't had like, I, I wasn't getting emotional in the episode until, the, you know, later on. In, in in the episode when you know there's like these tender moments and then then I'm realizing like this doesn't this isn't a storybook ending like I know where this is gonna go and then even on the second watch it was even I think it was even harder for me because I'd seen the entire episode so all the things that are leading up it just made me a lot more emotional both times that I watched it but I absolutely loved it I thought it was a Tremendous episode of television. So 10 out of 10 for me. Um, Joe, what would you think about this episode? Yeah, I, I love this. This is just one of those little self-contained stories that it, this did come in the perfect time of the season. I like that they let us wait this long before showing us what Ellie was like 
before she ever got bit for the first time. And and we gotten little hints and 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 references and stuff to Riley and, and the mall. And we knew that she had gotten bit. We knew that she was carrying this grief for somebody she cared for. And so this was just that episode that put all those pieces together. And it was also one where I spent the whole time watching it, just waiting for the horrible shit to happen. And it's like the the happy times just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then after basically as happy as it can get, that's when all the shit hits the fan and it hits the fan really fast. And it, it this, this show is very good at giving you people to love people to care about relationships to root for, and then just tearing it away from you. And in the same way as the long, long time episode, it was like that one, it showed us this really long relationship. And this one, it just showed us a snapshot like what, like a few hours of this relationship, but like in a long, long time where it really did a great job of establishing this relationship and showing you these characters. I felt like this episode also did a good job of doing that in a much more condensed period of time. And, and it was heartbreaking, but it did feel like from the start, this is Riley. We we're going to lose her. We know it's somewhere along the way that she's going to get bit. She told Tess it was in a mall. They're going to the mall. Oh shit. And, but man, they had a lot of great times up until the worst time of their life. And, and it was just so, so perfect because it's like, what would, what would two teenage girls go to do for fun? You know, in, in, if the world were not gone to shit like this, they could go to the mall together, go to an arcade and look at different stores and get their pictures taken in a photo booth. And the fact that they were able to capture that moment and do it in this post-apocalyptic world, it, it did make it special. And I think that, I think that one of the ways that they rip these things away from us so hard is by showing us how special they are to start. And so this show does a very, very good job of of building up and tearing away. And it just they do it over and over again. And and the audience just keeps coming along for the ride and man, just getting heartbroken over and over again. But I guess in the best possible way, you know, in, in terms of entertainment value, because the show's been for me, it's been stellar every episode. And this is just another stellar episode for me. The per- it was the perfect episode to to show us this relationship because it bookends with another very close relationship that the sh- that she's that she's forming with Joel and how, you know, she lost one person, but. Joel's not infected and there's still she there's still there's still a chance he can survive here. And so I just thought it was you know just bouncing back be, between the stories um you know for the times that we bounce back. It, it I just think it, it, this story complements what's going on in real time with these characters so well. Oh, absolutely. It, it does such a good job yeah. of showing us why Ellie has the resolve that she has. Yeah. Um also, before I forget, at and I know I'm skipping ahead. Like they don't show, like we we leave both these characters at the end, both of them, you know, still alive, very much alive in the mall. But we know what's going to happen. We don't see it. We don't see what happens. We don't see Riley turn. We 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 never get that. And I was thinking. There had to, like, this has to be the moment that 
Ellie was talking about in the episode where Joel gave her the gun, where where she told Joel, she's like, this isn't the first time I've had to do something like this before. You know, after she had shot the man in the back and and paralyzed him and, you know, that episode. But, and then Joel gives her the gun. He Joel's, She says, like, this isn't the first. She has she, – is she talking – she's definitely talking about having to, to do this with – with Riley, right? That was my thought is that they, they were together alone in the mall. Obviously Riley's going to be the one that's going to be turning. Mm -hmm. And when it happened, she had to defend herself and kill Riley. And then sometime after that, Marlene showed up, saw Mm -hmm. what happened, saw the potential in Ellie and then put her in that room that we find her in, in the first episode. Yeah. I was looking at, you know, Ellie's arms at the beginning of the episode and like, you know, when she's like running and everything, I'm like, Oh yeah, she hasn't been bitten yet. Like, this is, this is pre-bite. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, it's such a relief that we didn't have to see that stuff. And just a sign, I just think that's one of the things that is so special about the show. In a lesser show, we would have seen every moment of this flashback, even the most painful stuff that we already understood from the other things Mm -hmm. so they're breaking our hearts enough with these episodes and then trusting us to understand that there's even more heartbreaking stuff under the surface here if you're willing to spend the time thinking about the story that they're telling and we are all doing that so i don't need to think about the fact that she probably had to do this thing see the lead up to the proof of it and then also see the thing after all of the tears i've already cried (laughs) Mm mm-hmm no, I thought about that too. I was like, man, they're really they're giving the audience a lot of credit here, you know? And, and I appreciated I that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Melissa, yeah, tell us your thoughts on the episode. Oh, I love I love this Ellie episode. I think I love the way that a lot of the things I maybe I'll say everything that has been hinted at so far with Ellie's past, the things we've speculated that she's had to do um, kind of come into sharp relief in this episode. Like you were all saying, I already mentioned it just that we expected that, you know, we expected this is how this went down and it's nice to see spend more time in the joy of it than the the horrible parts. Um, I agree with you, Brian. I really enjoyed um, just being able to feel the emotional connection from Ellie's past to what is going on, how she's feeling about Joel in this moment. You can see her stealing herself. She tried with Sam. She, I, you know, we don't know exactly what she did with Riley, but if they could have, I'm sure that they did try to hold on. I'm sure Riley did try to hold on to her sanity. Um, and now Joel's trying to hold on to his life and Ellie is quite serious about saving him. It's something that she can tangibly do. Um, this episode made me think back a lot to Ellie's quote unquote first kill or the first one we saw on the show. You know, she had a lot of anger towards that infected. We saw her stab in the convenience store and I felt at the time that there was some cruelty there. And now we know that it is anger for losing her friend. You know, we know that specifically now. And, you know, there was some mercy there and thinking about that, I'm like, Oh, this like she had to probably mercy kill like her first love which is truly so fucking horrendously heartbreaking yeah I, oh my gosh this uh i i i think we've got two two very young actors here storm reed and bella ramsey that are just at the top of their game as child actors they're so just so good i don't think we could have done 
uh, better cast. It makes me wonder if like these two have ever worked together before because they just had such great chemistry throughout this entire mm-hmm. episode. Like it was just a very, I don't know. It, uh, you know, you think of like, uh, like those, uh, uh, young teenage movies that really stick with you, like Stand By Me. And like, this is like, this is like Stand By Me, like a little bottle episode of Stand By Me set in the post-apocalyptic world. No, it really is. And man, the chemistry between these two actors was just incredible. The, the, the moments of, of like longing looks that they would give each other in moments uh, where they didn't think the other was looking and wow yeah i mean they really sold it ellie wears her crush right on her sleeve man she sure did <laughs> man, on the carousel like i thought for sure that that uh riley was gonna see her making eyes at her in those you know yeah. dusty mirrors yeah yes because riley was showing it on her face too but in moments that we could see and ellie couldn't mm-hmm. exactly yeah, yeah. It was yeah. very well put together. Yeah. Billy, what'd you think? I'm just continually impressed by this show. It's it's the writing is what to me is the number one thing that carries it. In in a lot of ways, you know, we're dealing with some fantastical elements here. We're dealing with the apocalypse. We're dealing with a, a cordyceps virus gone to hell. But it's all believable. We're just so bought in and so invested that this is exactly what could happen. And the fact that a show that had such a crazy plot point happen with the Joel attack and with him being injured to have the confidence to stop there and go back, invest an entire episode in just again in relationships, in character building for Ellie. It, it's just masterful to me. It really just shows what the most important thing is. And to me, it kind of was the line towards the end of the episode after they've been bitten and they're sitting there and, Riley says, you know what? No, like I'm not going to take the easy way out right now. I'm going to take this time. They can't take that away from me. I'm not giving that up. And it just shows this is like what they're living for in this world is four little moments like that where you get to live and don't have to just try to survive. And it's just like you guys said, it's just so brutal to watch these things and know first was this story specifically already the outcome. And what the show does so bravely is that there is there is no plot armor for anyone in this show. It's just it's life isn't fair, and especially when the world is gone to hell. And it's just every week I just find myself again, even being someone who knows what's going to happen, still finding myself profoundly affected. And again, I just circle back to what I started with, with the writing. So I agree with you, Ryan. To me, this is a 10 out of 10 again for me. And I was really looking forward to seeing the final two episodes round out this first part of the story. Yeah, fantastic episode. Um, uh, Directed by uh, Liza Johnson. This one was written by Neil Druckmann. And um, yeah, let's dive into this one. Um, We start off uh, in uh, the basement of this house in uh, rural Colorado. And uh, Ellie's trying to stop Joel's bleeding. Joel is telling her to leave and get back to um, he wants her to go back to the to the community in Jackson and get back with Tommy. Um, doesn't he like he he pushes her away? Yeah, he does. And she puts her jacket over him and heads up to the top of the stairs and is looking for anything to help um, save his life. And uh, 
Yeah. Um, Joel does not look good. Mm-hmm. Joel no, does not, not look not good. Not at all. And it's one of those things where you know he doesn't really want her to go, but it's like he just – his biggest fear like we've established is him putting her in harm's way, and he already feels like he's doing that. So it – it's just such a crazy situation for it to have to be in, too. Just for like the physicality of it, like having to move him around, it has to be brutal. Yeah. Oh, I know. That was the one of the first things I thought was, how in the hell did she get him all the way to that house? And the 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 acting there was incredible too. That one tear that just rolls down Joel's face is is Ellie's finally going away after after she's shoved him. And in his mind, he's probably thinking, okay, good, she's listening, she's leaving, and. Oh, wow. It was just a very powerful moment. Pedro Pascal is, I mean, everybody's acting in this show is just top notch. Yeah. Uh, We get a uh, flashback. Now we're going back to Boston. We are back in the quarantine zone. We see Ellie. She's in her, uh, in Fedra school. And uh, I guess this is kind of like a gym class where they're running. And um, she's listening on her on her crazy to see a kid listening to a Walkman, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things in this episode that was crazy to see kids doing again. <laughs> so uh, this is just one in many. Um, but yeah, she's listening to All or None by Pearl Jam, and there's this girl Bethany who steals her headphones and uh, then basically. Um, you know, uh, does she, doesn't she tease her about, uh, uh, she wants her to, to pick up the pace to, and, and Ellie says, you know, I don't want to fight about this. And she's like, fight. You're not the one who fights. Your friend does. Yeah. And she's gone. Yeah. She's talking about Riley. Yeah. She's like, yeah. your friend's gone. So I guess Riley's been the one that's been sticking up for it. Cause there's like a two, like a two, two and a half year age difference between the two. Because I believe Ellie's yeah. 14 and Riley's about to turn 17. Yeah, that's right. She says she's just about to age out and going to be put on shit duty, we find out later on. Yeah. And uh, as soon as she mentions her friend, that's when Ellie, like, we see Ellie, like, cock back and then it cuts. So we find out that Ellie, like, you know... Gave this girl, uh, sent her to the infirmary for, you know, with 15 stitches to get. And then we see That's Ellie. Impressive. Yeah. I fucking love it. Fuck that bully. <laughs> I just wish we could have seen the punch. <laughs> 15 stitches is a lot to get that from a beating. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Like um, she had to have been like had her by the ponytail slamming her face into the floor. Yeah, she she definitely hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now Ellie is in, uh, uh, it's Captain Kwong's office. And, uh, what did you guys think of this character? Like, I it's mean, it's Prax from The Expanse. <laughs> oh, is it? I had no idea. <laughs> well, what I loved what they did here is in the past, they've shown us, especially in those St. Louis episodes, they really showed us that these Fedra people are real bastards. But this guy, this guy almost seems like, he wants to do things the right way and he believes that what they're doing is good. But then he's also filling her in on the reality of this situation in that, you know, Hey, a regular citizen here, their life's going to suck a grunt soldier. Their life's also going to suck. The only way this is good is if you're an officer. 
But at the same time, we're the only thing that's keeping these people here alive. They would be murdering each other and starving to death if it weren't for us. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to see this twist of Fedra not just being a a mustache twirling villain. You know, they're they're giving us a, a spectrum of how people are, which is identical to real life. I'm glad that you took it that way because I think that's a more reasonable response. But I still think Fedra's bullshit and I hated this character and I thought Riley was right because oh, yeah. <laughs> he's sitting there saying you only have two paths here. We decide them for you and we made them up. And yeah, I just he's, he's hate, still a fascist I dick just one. hate that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was <laughs> oh, already mad because I do not like when bullied children get in trouble for reacting and bullies are not sitting there in the principal's office getting a bullshit, you know, play our game speech. <laughs> I think to be fair, she's probably in the hospital because Ellie messed her up too bad. I know. Just because <laughs> you got sent to the hospital doesn't mean you shouldn't get talked to by the principal. Yeah, good. Handcuff her to a gurney. Yeah, I, I think I read the character a little bit more towards Joe's side. Just like I looked at him as like a pragmatist, like a realist. He's like, OK, well, you know. Why wouldn't you want to have the chance to have the best job in a shit world, right? And, you know, I don't – hey, we are doing some good. Now, look, is the guy a little bit delusional? Of course he's a little delusional, but, like, everybody is, and especially in this world. And Riley again kind of says it later in the episode. It's like – or Ellie, it's like they're all assholes. Like, it's just the one piece of shit groups is going to replace the next piece of shit group basically. And it's, it's all going to be that cycle. Whoever's on top is going to end up being an asshole. And it's – so I thought at least – I read at least like how the actor like portrayed it to her. So that he, not that he really cared about her, but he genuinely was like, "I'd rather see you end up like this than on the street." Yeah, that's how yeah, I, I took it as well. Melissa that. like totally like now Melissa's got me conflicted on how I feel about <laughs> Captain Kwong. I know. I think I think we know that Melissa would immediately enlist with the Fireflies. <laughs> oh my god! She'd be like, "Give me a pipe bomb, please." I was kind of skirting around that in the earlier episodes because we didn't know that much about them. But like, if I was Ellie the second Riley was like, "I joined the Fireflies," I would have been like, "Bet me too." Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you leave without me? Uh, he you know he talks about uh, you know Ellie not, not really getting in trouble here. He's just going to give her this speech, and but he talks about like she, previously she'd been thrown in the hole. Are we led to believe like they're throwing kids in the hole like 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 in a, yeah, like in, in pri- like in a military <laughs> prison or something or like mili- oh, without a doubt you know they they need they're teaching these kids discipline in a post apocalyptic world and they're in a military school so for sure they're treating these kids like adults. Wow. And it's not bad enough to change Ellie's behavior. He's like, I could do that, but it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I love that he describes her right away as like, you're so smart, you're stupid. Hey, uh-huh. J- Joe, how, how long do you think you could last in the hole? Oh, I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty good with solitude. Yeah, are you pretty good with could... with confined spaces and having to shit and piss in said confined space? That's the thing that would suck, is that how confined of a space... <laughs> And do they give you a bucket? I'm talking like Rambo-sized confined space. If you've seen Rambo Two, I think it's. Yeah, I was going to say the two. Rambo Two hole. No, I wouldn't do well in that at all. Yeah, the Rambo Two hole's gross and and didn't have leeches in it too. Pretty sure. And like, yeah, I think there were big leeches. And you're just you're shitting and pissing in there, like. Ah, oh, that is that's bad. You're just asking for cholera. <laughs> ugh, ugh. Oh man. So yeah. Um, 
I I I I liked Kwong before I heard Melissa. So I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's like he he's he sees himself in this favorable light because, you know, the best villains don't see themselves as villains. He's yeah. seeing himself as we are for better or worse the only thing that's keeping this QC together or this QZ together. And the truth of it is is yeah, they're still fascist bastards. They're they're still hanging people and murdering people for and starving people apparently too. So I mean they're they're not a benevolent force at all, but he still sees himself as better than the alternative. Yeah. It's weird. It's like it's like here I think like I feel like Ellie, while she's there, she feels like something's wrong and she's trying to buck the system. But then when she gets alone with Riley, she sees Riley going, you know, full you know, she's whole hog into being a firefly. And it's like, in a way, she's trying to talk Riley out of being a firefly. But on the flip side, she's almost like trying to get Riley to talk her into being a firefly. If that makes any sense. Like, tell me more. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, she's trying to get Riley to tell her just a little bit more. I don't know. That's the kind of feeling I got from it. That is what it felt like up until she saw the pipe bombs. Yes. Then it became very real. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with that. That at first she was like, because it was very playful. It was like, Oh yeah, you're a terrorist. Well, we prefer freedom fighter. And, Mm -hmm. but yeah, as soon as she saw those bombs, that's when she was like, look, if I do, because Ellie's obviously got it in her head that I need to keep my head down. I need to keep working hard. They're going to make me an officer. Maybe someday I'll be running shit in Boston QZ. But as soon as she sees the person that she loves with the literal tools that the Fireflies use to kill Fedra uh, soldiers, it became very real to her. Yeah. It seemed like there were civilian casualties in some incident in the past, too. Yeah. Well, how like, could there not be? Right. Exactly. And that is basically what Ellie's saying too is like yeah you're not going to throw a bomb in a civilian but you're not the leader of the fireflies it's like the same way that Ellie doesn't believe in you know Ellie doesn't necessarily believe in the leadership of Fedra but she does at least have healthy respect for like not chaos <laughs> yeah exactly well and also the freedom, we saw the freedom fighters the fireflies have done too much for Ellie to think that they are just like like a pure force of good, which is definitely fair. We haven't we seen saw that in the first episode too, where Tess was caught up in that bombing. That's true. Yeah. We haven't seen a large group of fireflies yet. Have we? I mean, we've seen what we've seen. Large so groups f- of dead ones. Yeah. We've seen, yeah. we've seen, you know, we've seen Fedra, you know, and the QZ. Uh, we've seen what happened to Kansas city QZ, how it had been run over by, uh, rebels, but that they weren't fireflies. So at I'm I'm still kind of I I still want to see a large group of fireflies and how they are because like at this point it's like any large group I'm I'm very untrusting of in in this series so far. Well, yeah, because what do you have to trade to stay in power? Because you can't stay in power by being purely benevolent. You're gonna eventually have to get your hands dirty and do some fucked up stuff. And so you're making those trades. And at the end of the day, how clean is your soul really after making those trades? And I mean, it's, 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 uh, they're recruiting 
children. I feel like they're forced to at this point, though. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's having to raise the next generation of federal leaders. Well, and same thing with fireflies. Look at how young Riley is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something we have to take into account here when we talk about these groups, whether it's Fedra, Fireflies, other kind of groups in general, is that like while they may have this image, you know, the Fireflies, Fedra, the QZ zones, a lot of the killing, there's also a lot of them are comprised of guys like Quan, right? Where we're like, oh, they're mm-hmm. like normal guys. They're just doing a job, right? So it's like for all the crazy – horrible evil people at the top there's going to be a lot of like regular people and that's where you even talk about kind of like the innocent casualties a lot of even the innocent casualties that we'll come to see are just gonna be like the regular people sucked up in this that are technically part of a side but like really aren't like part of like the creed or like part of the mission statement right they're just trying to survive they're just trying to survive and be as normal as possible and exist in a, you know, I'm throwing up in a quote, like society, right? It's yeah. the same thing that they're doing in Jackson. They're just right now and in general, like things are good, right? So it's like we're not military zone and this and that. And we happen to be in the middle of nowhere and that really helps, right? But like some of these people like Boston, we've mentioned Kansas City, they weren't fortunate, right? Tens of millions of people live around those areas. So it's getting those shots to probably have a peaceful coexistence. So I'm glad you bring up Jackson. Yeah. Because when we're talking about that, that seemed like the best society we've seen so far. Yes. So much blood on their hands. That old couple that lived on the other side of the river, they said, don't go there. Only death is there. We find bodies strewn on the riverbanks. So, I mean, these people are doing wholesale murder as well, but it's what you have to do to actually get by in this world, especially if you have any sort of sizable population that you're trying to protect. Uh, yeah, I think the people at Jackson are doing it right too. They're not like they don't, they they aren't inhabiting like inhabiting a city as well. Um, they've kind of like built uh, their own. They've constructed their own like you know fort that they live in basically. And yeah. so well, and they're showing movies there. I mean yeah. that is that's a society that still works because there's still an appreciation of art. And they're they're you celebrating, know, there, getting yeah, ready to celebrate going on and getting ready camps? getting ready to celebrate Christmas as well. Exactly. I mean, those people have a semblance of a normal life behind those walls. But outside those walls, the protectors, they still got to behave like wolves. And the children inside Jackson aren't being trained as soldiers like Fedra. Like, That's right. They're just because children there don't usually carry guns. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the, you know, they were talking uh, in the last episode about how like, you know, the the children there had not seen a child like Ellie before and act the way she had acted. Um, yeah. Ellie's a, like a mongrel to them. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like this is a wild child. <laughs> so we, Ellie's in her dorm. She's fallen asleep and then uh, someone climbs into her room through the window Sneaks up on her and she gets awakened by this intruder and throws the intruder to the floor, grabs her knife and then realizes that it's, uh, you know, her former roommate and her best friend, Riley, who ran away from the school. So I think they said about three weeks prior. And she says she's definitely been out for two or three weeks. And Riley says that uh, she's joined the Fireflies and um, asks Ellie to come with her, you know, for the night. She wants to spend some time with Ellie. And um, then they they leave. They're, uh, 
as soon as they leave, it's like as soon as they leave, they almost get busted by this by 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 a patrol. That was very they they had to really react quickly to get out of sight from that patrol because they had like that that vehicle going down the street with like shining a spotlight. Um, I thought that was pretty funny how that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, even within these last like two or three weeks, their park that they used to hang out that night got a patrol. Fedge on to these kids. So okay, so they're gonna go, they're going to the they're gonna go to the mall and but they go into this abandoned building and they find uh, the 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 dead body of a guy who has alcohol near him and then pills and then Riley's smart enough to realize like this guy this guy took a bunch of pills and down this alcohol and he's just going to he can he basically just committed suicide. Yeah, um, guy wanted to do the long sleep. And then I was not expecting the, I was not expecting the floor to give the guy to fall through the floor and then Ellie to start laughing maniacally about it. <laughs> I know that whole thing was crazy. <laughs> Any other child would be traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Ellie is just lucky that she seems like she's kind of an adrenaline junkie. Oh, no shit. And she's like, hey, we got this bottle of whiskey. Yeah. It's got a legit cork in it. That means it's good. She's definitely handling the apocalypse better than I would have as a 14-year-old. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) Ellie sees Riley's gun. She wants to hold it. And, you know, Riley says, no, they told me, you know, not to let anybody hold my gun. She's like, oh, you know, you're a big (laughs) firefly or whatever. Mocking her. Yes. (laughs) I swear, every time it told, it showed one of them just casually holding that gun, the hammer was cocked back, too. And I'm like, that is so unsafe. <laughs> like, holy shit. Look at that trigger funny, and it's going to fucking drop down on that firing pin. Riley uh, starts ta- ta- talking to Ellie about how she had become one of the Fireflies. She talked about how she had, you know snuck out and um this was all while ellie was in the hole and uh there was a a woman who had noticed her sneaking around and asked her you know to uh uh, oh yeah uh she invited her to join the group and she, had, she uh, Riley had said something about Fedra being fascist dickbags. Yeah, the girl was like, hey, cool sneaking around. What do you think about Fedra? And yeah. Riley said, I think they're fascist dickbags. And Marlene said, cool, want to be a firefly? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's like, like... You sneak well, you share our <laughs> philosophy, you're in. That's like the secret code word to get into like the uh, the fireflies. You just say that <laughs> right. Fedra are fascist dickbags and it's... It's like the magic word, you know? Right. You knock on the door, the little slot opens. What's the password? Um Then we get we get a scene of, of the two. They're on their way to the mall and they're, you know, hopping across the rooftops and Joe, I just kept thinking about that. I kept thinking about that scene in the movie The Crow where Brandon. Dude, that's Lee. what I was just gonna say. I was yeah. like, they had their crow moment where they're running across the rooftops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh Let's see Billy here. And Melissa, please say you've seen The Crow with Brandon Lee. I have seen The Crow. Oh, yeah, I love The Crow. I'm so proud of both of you. 
proud papa moment here. It yeah. finally Hulk's happened. I movie. got to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they're making their way to the mall, and it's not a hundred percent sealed off, and it's not full of uh, the infected. And um, they get inside, and uh, Riley talks about how the mall is connected to the same power grid that set that uh, Fedra set up for the new apartments, and uh, she turns on the power in the mall and Ellie sees like this piece of the old world kind of just light up and come back to life. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this mall kind of looks like most malls today. (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, And I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, I was trying to see it through her eyes because like I was, you know, it's. I was trying to see it through the eyes of a child who has never, ever seen anything like this. And because a mall does not marvel me anymore, right? It used to, like, it was a place of, like, fun and wonder when I was a child, but it just doesn't marvel me anymore. So I was trying to look at it through the eyes of, like, Ellie, who's never seen anything like this. And it just, it just cracked me up. Riley's talking about how she's going to get to see, like, these four wonders, and she... She she turns on the power to this escalator and and like oh my god like what what did what did uh, Ellie call it like moving stairs or something moving like that moving stairs yeah and she's like escalator <laughs> and I, I was just dying watching Ellie like react to the to the escalator like going forward going back standing still and yeah it's totally what a kid's on an escalator the first time would do or even the twelfth time. It also kept making me thinking of mall rats with Jason Levy. I'm like, that kid is back on the escalator. <laughs> Get that yeah. kid. <laughs> 100% what any kid still will do, no matter what the, the era. Uh yeah, I was, I was, I was dying at that. I thought it was hilarious too that she was like, "Oh my gosh!" So like, this is one of the wonders, and she's like, "Okay, I guess there's five now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that an escalator just blows her mind that much. It's so funny. Um, Riley tells her, you know, like you know, Ellie, Ellie's wondering like why some stores are full and uh, of things and why some are empty. And Riley explains that her mother told her that you know when the outbreak happened. Um, people started to loot and they took what they needed and left what they didn't. So you saw that like, you know, tennis shoes and things like that were all taken, but people left the soap and things like that. And of course people left like the Victoria's secret lingerie and stuff like that. And they were looking at the Victoria's secret display and, you know, laughing about how uncomfortable some of those things must have been to wear and why did people wear them. And and then Riley starts to laugh and she's like, what? She's like, I was thinking about you wearing that. <laughs> she's just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> poor Ellie must be mortified right now. <laughs> thing was yeah, very really. strappy. Um, I loved when Ellie was like, do you need me to explain it to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they make their way to the uh, second wonder, which is a uh, a carousel. And, and I, yeah, I remember this is a th- this was a thing. And and there was uh, the the mall in Springfield, Illinois, the White Oaks Mall. Up until just a few years ago, had like a beautiful uh, carousel of horses in it. So like this was a thing in malls. 
and um, they get on the uh, the horse carousel and they're drinking and you know Ellie's looking at her and there's like a carousel version of a song and I recognized it immediately. It's just like heaven by the cure. And I, cause I love that song. I'm not going to lie, but, um, I just, uh, I, I, I like how they slip in some of like these eighties songs. And, um, uh, this was a good one. I thought it was a good one. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even though it's maybe a tad bit overused, I enjoyed getting take on me in this as well. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another, yeah. like, magician's touch point for folks who watch that show. It's just weird. It's <laughs> happened twice. <laughs> the, there's a local mall here that the last time I was there, they had a carousel. And I remember when the boys were little, we would take them and put them on that. And I don't know if it's still there. It's been some time since I've been to a mall. But, yeah, that was the first thing I thought, too, is, oh, yeah, they, they got carousels in a lot of these malls. That's something that Ellie definitely never would have seen. Yeah, yeah. She's just like, I mean, it's it's crazy to think she's calling it like this magical horse with a million lights. And it's like, you know, kids today take that shit for granted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I loved this moment between the two. I almost wish that the carousel didn't break down and that Ellie had to like get real about everything again because I felt like it was a... Sweet moment here. Yeah, I agree. This was like the first where you could really feel that building tension with with all of those just very just outright, you know, out on Main Street longing looks that Ellie is giving to to Riley. The yeah, one where don't... she says, like, you plan stuff? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, like, this is a date. This yeah. Something that, I can that hardly Riley's think about that. Exactly what I was, like, going to say is, like, nobody plans for specific things for just, like, your buddy. It's just and that, like, even just the implication that, like, this plan was made is what got gets Ellie's, like, brain really going. Yeah, I mean, well, Ellie's still trying to work. Th- like, this is her. You, you, this is her first like crush. She doesn't have like experience in this kind of stuff, you know. No, I mean, it's <laughs> just dating in the apocalypse is yeah. just. So well, and uh, just the fact that she's a very young teenager, you know, like I don't, you know, she's. I don't think she's picking up all the signals, and I don't know if Riley's picking up the signals too, you know. They had nobody, specifically Ellie, like nobody to like guide her, give her advice, like right. tell her these type of things. So yeah. it's, you're floating on your own there. Um, at this point, oh yeah, this is where they have the talk about um, Riley saying, you know, you know, you could stay, and you know, eventually we're going to be the ones leading, and. And, um, you know, we could, we could change things together. And this is where Riley tells her that, you know, she has, she talked to Kwong about, uh, you know, what her assignment is going to be. And he's saying she was going to be in, on sewage detail. So that's what they thought of her. Like, she's going to be watching as people shovel shit. And she's like, that's, that's going to be my life if I stay. And so that's basically one of the main components as to why she she left and she joined the fireflies um yeah she'd have been down there standing next to bethany 
Yeah. Both garden shit. And so Riley takes Ellie to the third wonder, which is uh, one of those. Uh, I remember seeing these in like uh, like like Chuck E. Cheese's these uh, uh, photo booths with the mm. with the what kind of paper was that? Kind of like that photographic paper. Photographic paper, yeah. And um, they start taking all these silly pictures together. Have we not? Have we seen? Has Ellie pulled that picture out? Have we? Have, I don't think so. I was trying. I to was th- racking my brain for that too, dude. Yeah, not that I can remember. Yeah, like it, did we see this somewhere? Maybe like has it been like is she using it as like a bookmark in her right. book? Um, yeah, you yeah, think I it would be a, as well um, a bookmark uh, in the book of puns that she has? You know? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she gets that as a gift in this episode yeah, too. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Those photo booths, man, we had them in, I think, all of the malls that we had around here. Some of my favorite Chicago venues still have them. Oh, no shit. Oh, man, there's such a blast from the past. When we end up at shows that have them. Yeah. It's really fun. You know, because in a day and age where everybody has a camera on their phone and most of these pictures are very ephemeral and they never exist in more than a digital state. It is a real throwback to actually see something on photographic paper. Mm hmm. And uh, I loved it that it that that machine has sat there for ten years, and so that paper is is not quite as good. And so the the I think it's silver nitrate crystals just didn't quite pick up the exposure on it, and so it's just a very very lightly exposed strip of paper. But it's still just like a a, a beautiful memento that she can carry with her. You know, I'm just glad she had that moment with Riley. You know, well, especially in this world where. You know, like a, 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 as Bozo would say, a photographic memento like that is going to be few and far between. Yeah, yeah. Um, then Riley takes Ellie to the Fourth Wonder, and I loved this man because, like, <laughs> I'm you know, this is a big part of my childhood was arcades. Anytime that I would go to the mall, I was always at Aladdin's Castle and playing the new arcade games, and I still remember. You know, I still remember going to the arcade and playing, oh God, Dig Dug when I was a kid, like really young playing Dig Dug. And, and then I remember, you know, 90, 91 when Street Fighter 2 came out and just the line of people wanting to play that game and watching like, you know, uh, people and trying to pick up the different moves that people were that ha, that they'd learned. I remember the first time I'd see somebody throw like one of those sonic uh the sonic booms or whatever that Guile used. I was just like, "Oh my god, you can like throw energy at people?" I freaked yes, out. Yeah. Like and I kept watching the guy like, "How are you doing that? How are you doing that?" You know. <laughs> but it was a big deal back then. It was like the 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 games at the arcade were just better than the home consoles, and that's where you went to play the best video games, and you wanted to have as many quarters as you possibly could. Uh, when right. you we'd ride our bikes around town and scavenge cans everywhere because <laughs> we knew every five cans was one play on one of the one of the arcade consoles up at the pizza place. Yeah, like I remember, like go, even like going on vacation and trying to find like the the nearest arcade, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I went. What, yeah, what? dude, our, arcades are few and far between now. They um, are. There's um, we've done quite a few family vacations where we've stayed at a place that is like a little bit of a hell on earth. It's it's the Great Wolf Lodge. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> so it's like a hotel that is also has like a water park and games and shit like that. It's a great place if you've got kids to take the family because it's a place where you can keep your kids occupied while you're in the hotel. But one of the almost all of them have got like a really high end modern arcade in them with like all the neon and everything. I mean, it looked just like this episode. And the first time we took the kids to that, um, Lindsay like went all out and put like a hundred bucks on like, cause now they don't use quarters. They just got swipe cards. Mm -hmm. And so she split like a hundred bucks between the boys and they stayed down in the arcade until like two in the morning or something like that. It was probably one of their best experiences ever. I just, yeah, that's a core memory for sure. (laughs) Growing up, going to like bars and restaurants now with like my parents and thinking back and like the amount of quarters they just handed me to like go away from the table. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Today is like, I guess like you get your kid an iPad or something, right? And like thing, but I'm thinking about like how much more money my my parents probably spent in the long run just handing me like piles, <laughs> dollars, and quarters to get me to just be occupied. Is but then that's like you say core memories. I can v- vividly see in my brain like some of those places, and like funny enough, like a couple of them had Mortal Kombat, Mortal yeah. Kombat too. So it's like I remember playing this stuff. I uh, right, bro. They were better than the home consoles. I remember one of my fondest memories of being a kid. I think I was 12 years old and I was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and I had a great time. But they had an amazing arcade there. And I met, you know how you'd meet friends on vacation? Just like mm-hmm. yeah. vacation friends. Mm-hmm. You'd never see them again, but they were like, they might be a pen pal later or something like that, but like you just lose contact. But I met this one boy and me and him, like, I didn't have any money on me. So he was like, letting me play games with him and then after that we went to long john silvers and eight and i said i'm gonna go run back and see if i can get more money from my parents and my dad gave me like a 20 and i ran back and i saw him and i was like let's play more games and it was just like <laughs> it was like the best day i still remember it man um, two rolls of quarters dude you're a fucking king for a while yeah yeah you're so much money and then, oh, even last month, I went to the Galloping Ghost in, uh, up in Chicago, near Chicago, and played, uh, it's the world's largest arcade, and I just felt like a kid again playing all these games that I grew Oh, up how playing. could you not? But, um, yeah, so they, this is where we get uh, Mortal Kombat 2, and this was a huge game for me, too. I remember I owned this game. And uh, we would have tournaments, man. I'd have we'd have I'd have people come over and we'd play Mortal Kombat two all night, dude. Yes. Oh yeah, Mortal Kombat one, two, and three. And two is such a good one, especially yeah. after the huge splash that Mortal Kombat one made. Yeah. We we're all so stoked for number two. Fuck. I still got it in the other room on Sega Genesis. I, you, Joe, I literally, you just took the words out of my mouth. I'm literally holding my copy of Genesis World Combat <laughs> yes. 2 with my hand complete. Because you know, everyone knows like, I'm a big Genesis collector. So I, uh, I have it out here on the desk today for our recording. Just, you know, just I know it's, it's treasured, dude. It's treasured to have those old cartridges like that. I remember the first time I hooked up that Sega Genesis and put in the first Mortal Kombat game and turned it on for the kids and it didn't work. And I pulled the cartridge out and blew in it. And both the kids looked at me and went, what the fuck was that? And then I put it in, it worked and their minds were just blown. I'm like, yeah, dude, this is eighties technology. This is what you have to do. (laughs) (laughs) They looked at me like I was insane, dude. It was so funny. The only part I did not like about this episode was I was not buying that Riley knew the fatalities. 
Oh my God! Yeah. Well, she's been living in there for. Three no, years. Melissa, you don't understand. That's true. I heard the showrunners talking about this, and they addressed it. What they said was, at that time in the world, there was still magazines out because in 2003, the the internet was still, you know, still a new thing, and so there was still lots of like you know Nintendo Power type magazines and stuff out there, and so they're saying that Riley. And Ellie, if they would have been able to get their hands on that sort of stuff, they would have been absolutely treasured and they would have memorized those things. But that was still one of the first things I thought was, how the fuck does she know the, the fatalities? The only way you know fatalities is if, like, you were buying GamePro or Electronic Gaming Monthly and you were reading right? them. Like, that's yeah, it. Or, or if you, yeah, or if you were just hanging out in the arcade all the time and, like you said, like, you're watching somebody play and be like, yeah. how did you do that? Exactly. Well, nobody back, wanted back to tell you. Punch. Nobody wanted to tell you back then. Every because like if they knew a move, they were not willing to share it. <laughs> Gatekeeping. Yeah, because they needed to be the arcade star. They need to be the one that looks cool and does these fatalities. Um. Yeah. So I. I. But I did. I did enjoy uh, the the Mortal Kombat two of it all. That was a lot of fun. Um. They. Uh, oh yeah. They. They have. They have like a moment after the fatality where they're jumping up and down and having a great time. And you can tell Ellie is almost like leaning in for what I think she wants to be a romantic kiss here, like a romantic moment. And uh, Riley, Riley doesn't pick up on it or like turns away. And at this point, Ellie is says something like, you know, she's got to head back to her dorm. She doesn't want to get in trouble. Um, and that, you know, she'll just come back the next day and they can do it all over again. And um, at this point, Riley says that she's going to give Ellie a gift. And then Ellie says something like, I do like gifts. And it's really cute. (laughs) Yeah. And so she takes Ellie to the food court, to the the macho nacho. And she thinks she's she's like, oh, am I going to get a taco? And she's she gives her a little look. I loved that moment um, because she's like, is it tacos? Riley gives her this look and it is just this beautiful, silent communication about Ellie just getting way too excited. Like, please be serious. I'm not getting you a taco. Yeah. Like, dude, that was legit. A stupid question. <laughs> you think I found a cow like in here and butchered it? you're hyping it. <laughs> <laughs> She pulls out, Riley pulls out a copy of No Pun Intended, Volume 2, T-O-O, get it? Yeah, so Volume 2. And then I think, what was the first one she said? She says, uh, what did the frustrated ca- uh, cannibal do? What is she, is that what, yeah, what did the frustrated cannibal do? He threw up his hands. And then <laughs> the next one was like, what did the circle say to the triangle? You're pointless. <laughs> Uh, the the triangle state of the circle, you're pointless. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other one I think was like, how does a computer get drunk? Screenshots, and they both are like, what are screenshots? Which I thought was hilarious. Yes, exactly. No context for them. For these, yeah. these youngins that have grew up in this this crazy fucking world. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciated the us being able to you know see the moment when she gets the book because that book's been such a big part of this series so far you know between her and Joel. Oh, absolutely! Seeing the origin of that was really cool, and the way that she was like, "Oh, it's volume two. Like the, she said it like 
like they had previously read volume one. Yeah. You know, back at the school or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, we saw it in Ellie's room at the beginning of the episode. Oh, I missed it. That's a great Easter egg. And she's reading the same comic that she talked about with Sam, right? I did see the comic. She did. Yeah. Yeah, she was reading that comic. This episode, like, it didn't feel like just callbacks and Easter eggs, but like there are so many callbacks. It's just so well done. Yep, and I also noticed the Mortal Two com or the Mortal Kombat Two poster that was in her dorm room. I saw that too. Yeah, I was just so excited to finally see her being able to play the game. In a previous episode, didn't she mention somebody? She did. What? She did. She said, "I had a friend yes. that played as, and then I'm blanking on the character's name, Melina, right now, of course, that played as Melina, and she would swallow somebody and spit out their bones. It was so cool. Yeah, we find out that that friend was Riley. Yep. Yeah." Um, I just didn't know that she had played the game before. No, I didn't know she had played it either. And I thought it was really wonderful that they got to play it. And then this was one of those high points in the episode where as they're playing and having fun and being boisterous and loud, the camera starts drifting away Mm -hmm. and down the hallway following these, you know, these tendrils on the floor. And we find a clicker attached to the wall that they wake up. And I'm like, oh, no, this is. You know, because the whole time I'm watching this episode, I'm just waiting for the bad shit to start to happen. And and this is the beginning of it. And so then I'm even more on high alert after this. I kept seeing, like, the, the strands of, like, the cordyceps virus on the floor. And I wondered, like, I was worried about them stepping on something and then, you know, like, an, like alerting an entire, like, herd of these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or I was... See, I had watched the I, – I knew that this was going to be a flashback episode because I always watch the preview of the next week to come and then wait on for the inside the episode to yeah. start after that. Yeah. And so in, in that, they I knew that they were going to wake up a clicker, and it also showed the scene with Ellie going around smashing all the glass. And I thought that was her going to be freaking out about something that Riley told her, and then that was what – woke up the the clicker and then having it be the other thing instead that it wasn't the sounds of their anger it was the sounds of their joy that woke it up and i was like oh my god that's so much more poignant yeah oh uh ellie does notice the uh the pipe bombs and that's when it becomes like really i mean you know it became really real to me at that point. A child there with pipe bombs. Oh, exactly. And at first I was like, is she there like making these things somehow? And then it was, okay, no, she got, this has been uh, a firefly holdout or, you know, the firefly hideout mm-hmm. for a while. And they, this is just where they stuck her. And then of course it's going to be a bit of a supply depot as well. But, you know, to tell a 17 or 16 year old child you know, here, here's where you can bed down. Oh, that shelf over there, that's where we keep the explosives. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a fucked up world that they live in. Riley, you know, says, says you know, like, that she would never let the uh, fireflies hurt her. And Ellie is, you know, you know, she's like, you know, do you think that they would really listen to you, you know? And um, she gets upset and starts to leave. Um And then Riley tells her that she's leaving Boston, that this is her last night there. 
and they're sending her to the Atlanta QZ. And she tells Ellie that she tried to get Marlene to get Ellie. You know, she wanted to get see if Marlene would let Ellie come along, and she turned her down. And so this was supposed to be like, this was going to be like their last night together. She wanted them to have, you know, just a just an amazing night together before she had to leave and go to Atlanta. Yeah, I can only imagine that Riley got there when she was first stashed in this old mall. And then she went around and discovered all these things. And every time she discovered something and was excited about it, there was a little bit of sadness along with it, too, because she knew that Ellie would have loved seeing this also. Yeah. And when it came down to, no, well, now you've got to go, she'd been putting this off. And she's like, well, this is – I can't put it off any longer. I've got to go and and get Ellie and, and show her all these things and then have that hopefully soften the blow in telling her that I will be leaving. And I thought it was a really interesting dynamic that the first time Marlene hears about Ellie, she doesn't want anything to do with her. And then – Essentially, the next time she or when she eventually meets Ellie and sees her potential and what has happened with her, all of a sudden now Ellie's the most important thing. Oh, yeah. Right. Isn't that that's wild. I was thinking about that. Very as well. wild. Yeah. The, sure. it, first, Marlene's like, well, and also with Marlene and what she had told Ellie in the first episode is that she was the one who put her in that Fedra school. And so she's like, oh, yeah, I know who Ellie is. No, she's not going to Atlanta with you. And so what what was that plan for Ellie that Marlene had had, if not to eventually make her a firefly? So I still think there's some more background there between Ellie and and Marlene that, that can be sorted out. Yeah, that needs exploring. Do you think that's season two stuff? Oh, I have Billy, no idea. <laughs> tell us when it happened. <laughs> I'm like, going to be one of my classic, like, no comments. Yeah, just, just give us a, a like, caca, if we're going to see Marlene again. Uh, <laughs> it's not you, it's a bird. Maybe. <laughs> Ellie, uh... Ellie is devastated. She's upset and she, she, she leaves. She runs off and, uh, she makes her way through these, uh, maintenance doors, um, getting ready to leave and stops and she's heading back inside the mall and she hears screaming. And then she runs into this costume store and she finds that uh, the screams were not coming from Riley. There were these screams and they were not coming from Riley. It was a Halloween display. And um, this was going to be the fifth wonder that, that uh, Riley was going to show Ellie was this Halloween store. And um, this is where, Oh, um, Uh, they have the dance. I'm trying to think if they're, I think that they had like a conversation before that though. I don't know if you guys can recall. Yeah, because, um, well, they really have the serious conversation like before they do the dance party, because have we talked about how Riley tricks her into coming back kind of with that like screaming Halloween toy? That's what I just talked about. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I got distracted. 
Um, but yeah, they do their dance party and they have their kids. Well, yeah, but there's a there. I want to talk about that, but there's like a moment where like Riley talks about like one of the reasons she joined the Fireflies is because it felt more like a family uh, than Fedra. Right. Yeah, she, like she, tells, she remembers she having her family. She feels like the Fireflies chose her. Yes. That's right. She said, and when you have a family, you know, you belong to them. And since I lost my family, I haven't felt like I belonged to anybody. And she feels like she belongs with the Fireflies. And then, Ellie says that Riley mattered to Ellie first. Yeah. Oh. And this is where they, this is where, you know, she turns on um, the uh, Etta James cover of I Got You, Babe, and they dance with the masks on, take the masks off, and then they have their kiss. And the clown um, mask was disturbing. <laughs> I, yeah, this was really cute, but I could like hardly look at it because <laughs> it's kind of scary. <laughs> I know, just, right? Like you got this like adorable Storm Reed that's up there dancing with like the most horrifying mask on. I can imagine. <laughs> oh man, see, it just takes me back to Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and I loved it. <laughs> Killer Clowns is a classic. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was beautiful, man. Like she gives her the kiss and she's smiling. She's got like this, like she's just cheesing, man. She's super smiling, Ellie. And uh, then she's like, then she realizes what she's done, that she's always wanted to do that. But then she's like, I'm sorry. And Riley says, for what? And it's like. Oh, that was so cute. Yeah. Uh, man. Um, oh, Ellie's like. uh before she kisses her, she's like, please, like, she says something like, please don't go. Please don't leave me. Like, it was yeah, like. And then Riley says she'll stay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or, like, she's going to try to find. Where, a, this is. She's going to try to find a ma- way to make it work. I'm sorry. We're talking over each other. I apologize. Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> I was just going to say, I thought it was just so beautiful that she's going to try to find a way to make this work. Oh, absolutely. And and it's at the point where all of a sudden both characters are realizing this is going to work. This isn't going to be the last time we see each other. Yeah. You know, Riley's realizing that, yeah, she feels like she like she belongs to the Fireflies. But like Ellie said, no, you belong to me first and she's going to stay there. And then they hear a rustling in the side of the store. And that's when everything goes to shit. Before we jump there. What do you think they would have done? Like, you, she clearly can't go to Atlanta, QZ. Ellie's not going along. Marlene's not having it. They can't go back to Fedra, right? Do you think they're just going to run off together? I wonder if Ellie or if Riley would have gone so far as to bring Ellie to Marlene and say, like, look, this is happening. Yeah, but we already like, know if Marlene that. Marlene would have turned her down. We like, are. If- we already Ellie know that Marlene has like her own kind of like ulterior motive for keeping Ellie in Fedra. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, at the I'm end not of the saying day, these, that you're these are wrong. Two teenagers caught up in the moment. I don't think they had a plan yet. Yeah, it just makes you wonder. Like, if it let's if the infected didn't show up that night, what would have went down? Maybe I, they would have just it, ran. I don't know. I I don't I. I think they would have stayed right there in that mall and then eventually someone from the Fireflies would have shown up and it, it would have been them pleading their case. Is I, I just think that would be the most likely scenario because they don't know how to get out of the QZ. They would need Firefly or 
Firefly help or help from a smuggler to be able to get mm-hmm. out. They can't live out on the open. They're both known by Fedra. This this mall is their whole world right now. And they're just caught up in the moment. But I, I, I think that that would have been their most likely option was to just, hey, one of us has already got a foot in the door with the Fireflies. Mm. Let this other one in, damn it. She's really smart. She was for sure going to be on the fast track to be an officer for Fedra. You want her. And uh, yeah, it makes me wonder what would what they would have done. I I don't. I'm kind of torn between your scenario and then them, because they're just kids. They're not always thinking. They're not. Oh, them them running away and fleeing the QZ is the romantic idea. I would just like to think they'd be smarter to think. Hey, we don't even know how to get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, they're interrupted by uh, an inf- the infected that we had seen earlier. Um, they try to run. Um, and then they're fighting off the infected. Um, Riley's shooting at it. And um, Riley's being pinned down by this thing. Ellie pulls out her switchblade and stabs it in the head. And she's all excited. Well, she stabs it in the, few, in the side a few times first, too. And oh, like, that's oh, right. you got to go for the head or the neck. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's, like, super excited that she killed this thing. Um, and then looks down at her arm to see that she had been bit and see blood coming out. And at that point, you know, it's a death sentence. And then you find out that Riley herself was also bitten. And so basically we're looking at two girls now that have, you know, (laughs) that just had this beautiful moment and now, and they had their whole lives ahead of them. And now it's, it's, it's over. It's imminent that they're going to die um, but you know, they don't know, you know, at this point in time, Ellie has no idea that her, she's immune. Yeah. It's not in the cards for her. And, um, yeah, this is when the two kind of just sit down and have like that one last moment together that we get to see on screen. And this was a wild moment too, because they reacted so such polar opposites. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Riley gets very quiet and introspective and sad, and Ellie's just full of rage. She's got to pick something up and start breaking shit. It's the only way she can deal with it. Well, I think Riley blames herself, obviously. So that's, you know, and that's. Oh, totally. I mean, you can't not, right? I mean, it's just, you literally went to Ellie's room and pulled her out to this. So, and it's seen with Ellie, and you kind of see, like, even like a couple episodes, especially in like the premiere episode, it's like, I think it takes Ellie a long time to convince herself she's immune. She, I think she just eventually thinks she's going to turn, and it's just like days and weeks, and now months, and it's like, oh shit, I'm and then years. Like I'm, I'm actually not going to turn, but like I'm sure even when she has to do the mercy kill, she probably really considering well, how long until it's my turn, right? And this is where um, Riley basically says, you know, they have two options to move forward. Option one is they use the gun and just kill themselves, and she doesn't like that option. Option two is they wait it out, and they spend whatever time they have left together. And then Ellie asks Riley what option three is, and Riley apologizes, and the the two embrace. And then this is where we end that story and jump ahead back to Ellie, you know, frantically looking for anything to help Joel and she finds um, a needle and thread and then makes her way back down to the basement and um, 
starts to stitch him up. Do you think, I mean, oh my God, when she first pokes it through the skin, you can see like him wincing and the pain. And mm. yeah, oh, he grabs dude. her shoulder. So sweet. Do you think, I don't know, man, there's some pain that it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's going to pass out from the pain? I mean, I would be close. He he's that wound has already got to be so tender and those nerve ends have got to be so inflamed from getting a puncture like that. Yeah. Cause it isn't like getting stabbed with that thing. He got stabbed. I mean, he got stabbed with like a jagged piece of wood. That's not going to be a clean cut. That's not cutting the skin. That thing is tearing oh. the skin. Yeah. And and now she's sewing it up with no antibiotics. She's using a fucking needle. That's not sterilized with fingers that are not sterilized. The whole thing. Yeah. Just screams like desperation. And, and also the first thing I thought was, he got fucking stabbed. What sort of internal, like if he's got any sort of internal bleeding, but then I'm like, well, I guess if he got stabbed in the liver or something like that, he wouldn't have lived this long. There, there was a so, moment I was like, take that alcohol and, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was the other story. <laughs> that but was the other story. Doesn't Joel always keep like a flask on him? A flask, at least. Yeah. I was oh, thinking. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, like they don't have matches. She's uh-uh. never seen the parent trap. <laughs> yeah, you like you, you, the needle. Yeah. Uh, one of the things <clears throat> I want to bring up on that that last scene that we got with Ellie and Riley is when Riley's laying out their choices, and she refers to suicide as the easy path. That's when Ellie had also referred to suicide as the easy path to Joel in a previous episode. A previous episode, and Joel had said it's not an easy path. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was to me, I saw that as a bit of an Easter egg. Oh, there was another one like that. Um, Ellie kind of complains about how many stairs they go up. That's right. That's right. It made me think of Joel and his old knees. <laughs> oh, my God. Ellie, you fucking hypocrite. Ellie, like you're so good at climbing upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. That's awesome. So, yeah, that was the episode. Fantastic episode. I absolutely loved it. Any final thoughts? Uh, dude, I, I'm, I'm going into these last couple episodes with a lot of trepidation, excitement, trepidation, and, and sadness that we're going to have to wait because before we know it, that's going to be over. Well, I do have an article here from Dark Horizons titled Last of Us Season 2 Could Shoot This Year. It says, filming on the second season of HBO's acclaimed post-apocalyptic drama series, The Last of Us, could get underway before 2023 is over. Uh, that's the indication from ac- actor Pedro Pascal, who was asked by Collider this week uh, while out promoting The Mandalorian third season launch, if there was a chance the second season could begin filming this year. He responded in his usual playful tone. In the year 2023, oh, what a season. What Oh, what season are we in now? We're getting into spring before adding, yes, there is a chance, yes. Um, the first season began filming in July 2021, with the shoot running for almost a full year through June 2022, and the series then premiered six months later in mid-January this year. Uh, this sh- uh, Should his comments pan out and filming were to begin on a second season just before the year's out, it's likely the second season wouldn't premiere until the second quarter of 2025, Two years after the first season. Are they putting too much stock into the filming of the first season lasting a year and possibly not accounting for maybe COVID protocols being a little bit stricter? Yeah, that was one of the first things that popped into my head. 
was I, I bet just in that time frame that that first season was filmed, there would have been a lot more hardships to get through that probably aren't still going to be applicable when they're doing the second season. Yeah. I mean, I sure as hell hope not, because there is a lot of stuff in the game part two, um, a lot of locations and different things like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that COVID really slowed them down. It's also interesting because the storyline is supposed to take a, a five-year time jump. I just saw that, yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah, so, I, I mean, it won't matter for, like, Joel and, like, Tommy and, like, stuff like that. But I'm curious, like, with, like, Ellie specifically – like how that will play visually on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, it's going to be hard to age up Bella Ramsey, but th- then again, you look at the stranger things, kids. Yeah. Kids grow up fast. Yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's like 20 though, isn't she? So it's not, it's not like she's like a teenager where I think you're going to see a crazy. I mean, again, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day. Like I'm it's, that people are going to start bringing up online with the physical appearance stuff. But like, I am just curious as far as like the, for the viewer to believe that there's that. So maybe get, maybe they'll change that. Maybe yeah. They could change it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Fantastic episode. We've got two more left. I am anxious to get in. I haven't watched the previews for next week, Joe. So I have no idea what's going on next week. I'm just guessing that we're going to be picking up with, um, with hopefully Joel's recovery here. So, yeah, fantastic episode. Um, Do you want me to answer one way or the other? <laughs> no. I'll, I didn't I'll, figure you did, so I'll just, I'll just stay quiet. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll tell you what, I'm really excited for next week, though, especially based off what we saw there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, I want to thank uh, I want to thank you guys uh, every week for for joining me, uh, Melissa. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mel Yellow and co-hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast. And Billy, you can find me on the Reality Guys YouTube page. Uh, I am the host along with my co-host Brian. We cover everything and anything reality television, everything from. Uh, Survivor to The Bachelor to all of the Netflix shows like Perfect Match, The Circle, Love is Blind. Basically anything reality TV, we're covering it. So you can find the reality guys on YouTube, TikTok, any social media. And you can find Joe and myself on Pop Culture Leftovers this week. Joe, big movie. We're going to be talking Creed. Yeah. We're going to be talking Creed 3. Creed 3. So, yeah, I'm seeing it tomorrow. Cannot wait. Jonathan Majors. Man, I think last time I checked Rotten Tomatoes, it could have changed, but it was at a 91% last time I last time I checked. Yeah, I noticed that too, that it's being very well received so far. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I don't think this is I don't think there's an end in sight for the Creed franchise, man. I think uh I think Michael B. Jordan is uh sticking around for a while. I think they were already talking about Creed four and five. So Dude, <laughs> I, I hope so. I'm I'm late to this franchise. I grew up watching Rocky. Uh so far. Um, my mission this week is to watch all the Creed movies. And yesterday I watched the first Creed movie. Tomorrow I'm going to be watching the second one. And then Friday we'll be watching the third one in the theater. And just based off the first one, so excited to see the rest of this fan- franchise because <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. Hopefully the third one is better than the second one. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> 
wasn't the biggest yeah, fan of Creed 2. I haven't seen the too. second one yet, but I watched the first. I did a rewatch of the first one today, and I'll watch the second one. I've got tickets for tomorrow night. Yeah. yeah I had heard that about the second one, but after watching the first one, that was very big shoes to fill. Yeah. Yeah. First one, was, it was phenomenal. We will be back next week. Thank you for listening. See you then. Later. Bye. Bye.